Hello, everyone, and welcome in to the Youth Hoops Pod presented by Pro Skills Basketball. Today, you are listening to an episode of our Recruiting Roundtable series featuring three college basketball coaches. The three coaches are Landry Kosmalski, who is the head coach at Swarthmore College, Seth Eilberg, who is the head coach at the Hill School, and Steve Ongley, who is an assistant coach at Howard University. These three coaches lead a discussion around college recruiting for high school athletes. Some topics they discuss include what factors you should consider when looking at a postgraduate year, what student-athletes should look for in schools other than a basketball program, and what proactive steps athletes at all grade levels should be doing right now to help separate themselves. We hope you enjoy the episode and stay tuned for more content. All right, everybody, uh, I will get started here. I'm sure more people will start rolling in. Um, thank you for joining us, 8.30 on a Wednesday night, right before the 4th. Um, no, might not be the most ideal time for some of you guys. You know, some people probably have camps. Some people are probably getting away early for the week, um, but really wanted to take an opportunity to sit down and, you know, talk recruiting as, you know, PSP heads into July um, and as your sons and families head into July. Um, tonight, we are very lucky uh, to be joined by three uh, really good coaches. Um, you know, all three I have known for a while, um, do a really great job. Uh, Coach Elberg is at the Hill School located in Pennsylvania. Um, I'll briefly let these guys kind of introduce themselves. Uh, Coach Ongley is currently at Howard University um, with previous stops at Columbia and Dartmouth and Kobe College and the NESCAC. I'm sure a brief stop at BU was in there as well. Um, and then Coach uh, Landry Kalsmalski, who is at Swarthmore College, um, led them to, you know, the number one ranking in Division Three for all of uh, the year prior to COVID, um, was in the Sweet 16, getting ready to make a national championship run uh, before COVID kind of cut that short. Um, but I'll let all those guys introduce themselves, um, and then we'll kind of get started with the Q&A. So, why don't we start with Seth and then go uh, Steve and then Landry. Thanks, Jeff. Um, good evening, everybody. Um, it's great to be on this, this uh, panel here, the Zoom, and, you know, really appreciate uh, Jeff and PSB. You know, we've got some Hill kids uh, who we're proud to have part of the PSB program, and it's because, you know, you guys go the extra mile to provide programming like this, and it's great to be on here with Coach Ongley and, Coach Kosmowski, two two coaches that you know I've I really respect and whose programs you know we certainly admire their values and and what they're doing with their programs. So this is a lot of fun and and I hope I can offer some insight from my now twenty well, I guess twenty one years at the Hill School. You know we're a boarding school about seventy five percent boarding uh, five hundred well twenty five in normal years but we'll talk about that we're a little over enrolled five fifty here for the coming year. Uh, outside of Philadelphia and Pottstown, Pennsylvania, co-ed, 9 through 12 with postgraduates, about 15 to 20 postgrads a year at the school. And I uh, hope I can offer something from my time, not just as our basketball coach the whole time, but um, I did do college counseling, so was on that side of things for, for five years and, um, and then our athletic director now. So work with a lot of our student athletes on their college recruiting process, supporting that in any way we can. So thanks for having me. 
Thanks, Coach. As, uh, as Coach Jeff Van Gorder uh, mentioned, my long laundry list of schools attended and worked at thus far. Uh, add to that that I, I used to also coach AAU in high school, so I've been in the seats that many of you are in now. Uh, happy to share my perspective with you all on the process from Division One to Division Three to to those searching for prep schools and and my relationship with guys like Seth uh, all over the. New England area as well as the Mid-Atlantic, where uh, I think prep schools have had a, a better chance to, to operate and including the new school versions of them that are popping up kind of all over the place. So look forward to taking questions and, and talking to you soon. Hi, everyone. I'm uh, Landry. Uh, as Jeff said, I coach at Swarthmore College, small uh, liberal arts college, Division Three, right outside of Philadelphia, a very high academic school. Um, before Swarthmore, I, I played and coached at Davidson College down in North Carolina. Um, like Seth mentioned, he had some players play for PSB. I have a little closer connection. My brother, uh, Logan, is actually one of the co-founders. So um, really glad to be able to help out um, and answer any questions y'all have tonight. So thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Um, and how is it going to work, everybody? Uh, we're going to ask probably, you know, four or five questions, you know, that I'll, I'll throw to these guys. And if you have any questions that, you know, you're thinking about as these guys are talking, you know, go ahead, throw them in the chat. Um, and then at the end, you know, we'll leave time for, you know, one to two questions at the end um, that, you know, I think would be valuable for everybody to hear. Uh, so starting off, you know, I think what everybody was on everybody's mind Pandemic obviously has altered, you know, a lot of things for the, this high school class of 2022, um, 23, 24, and also obviously the 21s coming in. And with that, you know, the college eligibility, NCAA has granted everybody another year of eligibility. Um, so something I want to throw to you guys is with this extra year, you know, some high school athletes have inquired about postgraduate options, along with some reclass options, you know, in your opinion, what type of you know, athlete personality is going to benefit the most from a, you know, post-grad or reclass, you know, option. Um, and, and let's start with Seth and then follow up with Landry and then Steve. Yeah, you're, you're definitely right uh, for the, you know, reasons you just mentioned that we've certainly seen an increased interest this year in the post-grad year. Our applications are in general across the board are way up at the Hill School and I think across our schools as well. Um, so as I mentioned, we're, we're actually going to be about 25, 30 students over enrolled for this fall, which is a good problem to have. But um, moving to your question about, you know, the, the post-grad year and who that can be for, you know, I think there's two ways to look at the post-grad year. I think one lens is that this, it's a means to an end. So I'm going to take this PG year. It's going to open new college doors, maybe. Um, maybe you've got a school who likes you because of all that's been going on and says, hey, we would love to have you, but we don't have a space for you right now. Um, so they encourage you to consider a post-grad year. Um, I'm going to veer off that for a second and just say that I think what we're looking for at Hill and that I think serves, um, kind of sets up families and student athletes for success best is if you can really buy into looking at the post-grad year as an end in itself. I mean, there's no guarantee in athletics. I think we've all seen that or experienced it ourselves, injuries, things like that. You know, you can't just say, I'm going to take a PG year, and that means I get this or get that. Um, I do think that a lot of new doors can open. Um, for any prospective students that are looking at uh, Hill for a post-grad year um, is to really 
try and, you know, look at it as an end in itself. Like we want student athletes who really want to truly do another year of school, um, take advantage of all the things that a place like Hill has to offer, the chance to go to school with kids from all over the world, all over the country. Um, and obviously, you know, who are invested in getting better athletically. I, I think those who are best suited for a PG year are probably students who maybe are showing an upward trend in their grades so that they've kind of, it's clicked for them academically and, and they're showing growth and um, want to continue to show that and build that academic resume um, to perhaps get into some schools they otherwise, you know, wouldn't be admissible to quite yet. Um, maybe it's a late bloomer physically. So, you know, everybody matures physically at a different time. Um, maybe it's a guy who's getting more playing time just in their senior year because they were behind some guys in a good program or who were playing in a little bit, you know, lower level and playing at a higher level post-grad, you know, program for a year uh, would help best prepare them for college basketball. So I think there's some different profiles there, but I hope anybody listening who's thinking about that at all would really take to heart that idea of, you know, what an incredible experience the year can be in itself. Even if it means you go to the exact same college you otherwise would because you'll be that much more prepared uh, for success when you get there. And I think that'll enrich your experience, um, you know, on the college level. Yeah, and, uh, Seth is the expert on this because he is at a, um, a school that takes post-grad students. I would just add to that briefly um, I, I think doing the PG year is a personal choice. And, and as Seth mentioned, there's a variety of factors that can make that the right choice for you. Um, I think it's a, a more viable option with this pandemic, because I do think as that's why we're doing this Zoom. I think some of you are worried about spots and being able to go right to college. So it, it, is, a, it is a better option possibly because of the circumstances. And I would just encourage you if, if you talk with your, you know, as you talk as a family, if you think that's something you want to do, I would start moving on it now. Um, a lot of people, you know, reach out and I'm sure Seth can uh, speak to this, but reach out April, May, and it's just, it's way too late. So if you kind of think through it and think it's something you want to do either because of academics um, or because you're worried about college roster spots uh, or because you need another year to develop physically, whatever the reason may be, if you think you want to do it, I think it's um, the time to start is, is now. I don't think I have much new to add to the conversation from, from these two. As Coach Kosmowski pointed out, uh, Seth has been in this a lot longer uh, at the prep school level than either Landry or I have familiarity with. But for me, it was always uh, three reasons, and it was either physical, mental, uh, or basketball-wise. You didn't like what you had or, or you wanted something different. So if, it's, if it falls into one of those three, whether you need to learn how to get away from home and quit and do and having your mom do your laundry for a year and, and figure out what it's like to live on your own. You know, that's part of it too, um, growing up. Right. And then, uh, either physically getting a little bit more mature if you're a late bloomer or you feel like, you know, you've got a couple inches left hiding in there, that might be a good reason as well. And then again, as, as coach Albert mentioned, if, if you need to get your grades right, or your grades are going in the right direction, you're trying to achieve a, maybe a different level of academic college, uh, you know, acceptance. That's another reason you could target a prep school and think about the PG or reclassing. Yeah, I just I would uh, Landry gives great advice there about, you know, getting on that stuff now. Um, I know we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, things we can do to prepare um, and what can you control and stuff. But I think 
we do get an incredible, especially this year, amount of, you know, inquiries well after we're, you know, full as a school or out of financial aid. And it's a shame because some of them are great candidates. And I would balance that too, by saying that if you know for sure, you think I'm definitely going to do a PG year in fall of 2022. Uh, what we encourage those um, students to do is still go through your college process. Um, do it at the same time. It gives you a free pass on seeing where you're going to get in, what kind of financial aid you're going to get at college. And, um, you know, it's, it's a great kind of, um, there's no strings attached on either end of that. So you might end up getting in somewhere you didn't think you would and feel like, gosh, I really developed this season and I'm ready to go and decide not to do the PG year and vice versa. You may think, hey, I'm just doing this to explore the PG stuff. But if you don't do it by getting, um, you know, stuff, stuff going now, um, it could be too late and you don't have near as many options. So we can talk more about the admissions process and all that as we go for, for prep schools and postgrad years. But um, I wanted to add that to, to Landry's good advice there. Awesome. No, that, that was all great stuff. And, and kind of piggybacking off that, uh, you know, what are everybody obviously wants to play at the highest level basketball that they can. But what are some other factors, you know, I'm talking to families to consider, you know, other than basketball, you know, location, um, academically, what are the most important factors that you three think, you know, a prospective student and family should be looking at? And we can start with Seth and then, you know, follow up with Landry and Steve as well. Yeah, definitely academically, uh, you know, where, where will you be challenged? Don't, don't waste the year academically. I, I guess the flip side to that, to be fair, would be that there are schools out there who will offer a postgraduate basketball experience with uh, uh, to no academic expectations. Um, and that's just what they're built for. And that's fine. So if that's what you want, you know, you can, I'm, I don't think that's, probably setting you up for, for success at the college level where you're going to be asked to be a student for sure. So, um, you know, I, I think you would say, all right, what, what is the academic curriculum like? What do they allow postgrads to take? What is required? I mean, it's a great chance if there's an open curriculum for you to take some cool classes that you've never taken before and you can get doing, you know, uh, if you're a really strong student, make sure you're going to a strong prep school that is going to have courses that can challenge you. I mean, at Hill, we have two math classes past multivariable calculus. And uh, I mean, I, I couldn't pass them. Be, and I was like a math minor in college, and I still don't know what's going on in those classes. So there's opportunities, you know, academically, um, for you to take advantage of their, um, you know, social residential, like, do they allow postgrads to live there? We require our postgrads to live there, which is, again, to Steve's point, a great chance to have that experience of living away from home. But, you know, yeah, when you forget to do the laundry, you can jump over to coach's house and do it at the last minute and, and maybe get some help on that, that you don't get when you're on your own in college. So, you know, having that step of living away from home, but not totally on your own yet, um, make sure that that's part of your experience. If, that if that's important to you, um, ask about financial. I mean, there's very few prep schools that give straight up basketball scholarships. Um, most of them are, are need-based financial aid. Um, so I think that's a variable you got to look into closely and understand how the school is going to do that process and what, what, what paperwork do I need. Um, every school's calendar and daily schedule is different and what's the flexibility around, you know, I think a lot of 
the guys that we want to prep are gym rats, guys who love to be in the gym. So, you know, it's great that we're all in the gym, shooting gun in the weight room, pre-period in the evenings, you know, um, not every school has those there. Um, I know I'm getting into the basketball here a little bit, but, you know, understanding that related to the basketball, like the schedule, what, what, you know, if you're going to a place that's got two teams, maybe they've got a post-grad team um, and make sure you find out is the post-grad team going to play the schedule that the national team plays? Um, because I think, you know, both style of play and some other basketball things that coach Van Gorder can advise you well on as to where you'd be a fit. Um, you know, you, you definitely want to find out what competition you're going to play against, which is a big part of you getting better and having exposure in that extra year. And finally, you definitely need to find out, um, and you can do this on any school's website usually, you know, application requirements. Um, maybe this is a little bit for younger guys who, if they're thinking about applying to a prep school, you know, uh, as a ninth, 10th, 11th grader repeat, whatever it is, do they require testing? Um, usually by the time you're doing a post-grad year, you, you have testing anyway. We do require testing. So make sure you have testing, um, whatever that is based on your age. It could be SSAT for the youngest kids, PSAT, ACT or SAT for older kids. But make sure you, you're, you, know, you know ahead of time so that you can take the test that you need to. Um, know what the application deadlines are. Um, again, to Landry's point earlier, you know, getting on that stuff ahead of time, it's always best to apply on time. Yes, we can take later applications, but, you know, then you're probably competing for one or two open beds versus you're, you know, part of 170 new students that we're going to admit at once. So uh, getting your stuff in on time uh, can really behoove, you know, your success there in the process. Steve, go ahead. Yeah, I think the word that everybody uses is fit, which, you know, it wasn't the right fit. And I always laugh because everybody's fit shouldn't be the same, right? You're, there's going to be things that you're weighing and, and, and Coach Albert listed a, a whole list of things, academics, basketball, scheduling, location. Um, I've had guys that have picked schools because of the food in the cafeteria. So whatever you're ranking as your priorities, uh, that can be wholly yours. So th that's something that you should be doing uh, before you get somewhere. Um, so that way you know what you're looking for. So it's not them always feeling like they, or the school necessarily having to sell themselves, but you can start to narrow things down based on what you value the, the highest priority. So when you're a D2, D3 guy, uh, maybe the professional route looks even a little bit foggier than it does for the D1 guys. How successful are you as a school at landing internships for you? How successful is that program at connecting you with an alumni base? How successful is that school at putting you into the grad schools that you may be thinking about for your potential future? Those are the questions that I would start asking now. Uh, and if you're 18 years old and you're saying, I have no idea what I wanna do with the rest of my life, good, you shouldn't. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't start thinking about what pieces or factors will go into fit for whatever school is lucky enough to have you um, for the, the next four years after your high school career. So to me, that's the mistake where, where people say, oh, it didn't fit or that wasn't the right fit, but they never kind of have a actual definition of what fit is. So take all of those factors, all that laundry list of things that you're concerned about or the, or the items that you really want in a school or the place or the next step um, and determine which ones have the, the best or the most or 
however you want to rank choice those candidates. I think that'll help you clarify your process because it is a two-way street. As much as it feels like we are in all control as college coaches and we are the ones giving you an opportunity, you have the ability to say yes or no to anyone as well. So take that opportunity, use it, uh, and be your own best advocate by doing your own research and, and rank choice before sitting down and trying to figure it out. The only thing I would add is um, I agree with what both Seth and Steve said. Um, I think uh, in some ways, uh, my advice would be to not overthink it. Um, I think if you do have this list, and Steve mentioned a lot of good qualities you should look for in a school, um, and you do all that research, and you do it all online, and it feels really perfect, um, you still got to trust your instincts when you go on campus. And I think that's the biggest thing. We have so many guys call us, um, you know, or, or tell us in the process, I want high academics and competitive basketball. And, and that's great, but um, you're going to decide what place suits you best for your four years there. And then afterwards, by getting on campus and getting a feel for the people. And, you know, as humans, we have a real ability to, to do quick reads on whether we like the, the environment around us, the people around us. And I think sometimes um, we got to trust that instinct a little more when we get on campuses and, you know, maybe we visit our top three to five schools. Um, generally, if we do that and we've got all the information that Seth and Steve both said, you know, the list of pros and cons, we've got that ahead of time. But then when we get there, we got to trust how we feel when we're there because that'll generally end up being the best um, fit and experience for you. Awesome. Yeah. And, and something I would add to, that you guys alluded to is just getting to know, you know, the players on the team too, you know, in the program, getting to pick their brains and, you know, hearing what they have to say, you know, about the coaching staff, about the, about the food, um, you know, about everything that, you know, maybe coaches leave out, you know, on recruiting visits. Um, but you no, know, I, I think that's all great stuff. So moving on, you know, a lot of these guys just completed the high school live period, you know, we're out there playing in front of you guys in a bunch of different events, you know, coach Alberg was coaching in it. What is something that you guys, when you go out in July, you're going to be looking for? You know, I know, I know some of you guys probably have a list of guys you're going to see. Maybe some you're just, you know, inquiring about. You haven't seen live yet. What's going to stick out to you as you watch these guys play? Let's let's start with Landry and go to Steve and then Seth. Well, thanks for giving me the opportunity to answer this one, Jeff. Um, I wish you could blast this out on a major news station um, because I feel pretty strongly about what I'm going to say to the, the small group we have here, but I wish everyone around the country could hear it. Um, I think you need to start with the premise that um, your narrative is probably different than our narrative. Um, and, and you got to understand that. So a lot of people around you will say, Hey, you got to score 20 points. Hey, you got to be flashy. Um, we, we think the complete opposite. Um, we want guys who are focused and locked in, we want guys who are working hard and we want guys who have good attitudes and, and are good teammates. Um, so, and, you know, everyone might want a little uh, more specific in terms of um, what they want positionally. And that's every coach's prerogative. Um, but you need to do those three things first. Um, and then I would just add to that, like play to your strengths. Again, I think a lot of times you hear from someone, you know, around you that you need to shoot a lot or score a lot. And when you, when you press like that or you do something you're not good at, that's not a positive. That's just a turnoff to us. So do what you're good at. And if that's rebounding and defense and talking and make it effort plays, we'll notice it. And if you're good enough, someone's going to take you. Um, 
But I think trying to do stuff that you're not good at or stuff that you think other people are telling you only hurts you in the process. And the last thing I'll add to that, we go to these events and there's a lot of guys to evaluate. Um, I, I, sometimes a trick I've learned over the years is uh, when there's so many guys to evaluate at once, I just watch them defensively because you can knock guys out easily. Um, you know, if there's, you're watching 10 guys on the court and, and you know, got, nine guys aren't defending, well, I'll look at this other guy, he's defending and now I'll watch him offensively. So don't think that it's all about offense because we want competitors and guys who want to play defense because that helps our teams win. And that's a big part of the game um, that shouldn't be overlooked. So um, thanks for giving me the opportunity for that, Jeff. I've, I've want, been wanting to say that a long time. So thanks. I'm here for you. I'm not sure if the rest of us should even speak now. I think that might hold hold water for, for all of us. Um, as Landry mentioned, positionally, we could be looking for some specifics that are differently. But I think every level of basketball that you increase to, uh, the decision making is infinitely harder. So making good decisions, and that means off the ball, on the ball, playing defense, walking back to the bench, like that's all part of the decision making process for us. And as we're evaluating uh, student athletes and players, those are the things that we're thinking about. So for instance, during the high school live period, I, in the second weekend, I was up in uh, New England for a little while and watching a guy play that I had known in high school and he was with a new team. So I didn't expect them to actually be firing on all cylinders. They'd never practiced together. They never played together. It was the first weekend they ever played together. So we don't really know that ahead of time all the time, but in this case I did, but he made every right play. Did the ball go in after every pass he made? to the next teammate that was wide open? No, did the, you know, when he got the rebound and went in the break, did he get rewarded for maybe drawing the foul and, and getting the bump and getting a finish? No, but he was making all of the right decisions the entire time. And to me, that's a, a big part of it. If you go watch an NBA practice, which some of us are lucky enough to do, half the practices I watch are just decision-making drills. Hey, we're playing out of this right now. And, and these are the decisions that are gonna have to be made. So everyone's gonna have to make decisions on the basketball court. And, and, the, and Landry pointed out the most important one, the first one you need to make is playing to your strengths. So do the things that you do really well, that'll make you stand out because you're doing them at the highest level possible. So if you can go get 18, 20 rebounds every game, you should go do that. If you can go get five to 10 assists every game, you should go do that. Those are the things that you do really well and then back it up uh, when you get the opportunities to do those other things. Uh, be sure you're, when you're ready when your number is called, but really stressing doing what you do best uh, and your ability to make decisions uh, the right decisions in the right moments is going to be paramount for, for college coaches. Because when you get to the college level, no matter what level, one, two, three, NAIA, JUCO, everybody was the man on one of their teams. Everybody had a chance to score. Everybody had a chance to do that. But everybody can't be the man once you get there. So you have to learn how to play a role. Yeah, that's uh, great stuff. I, at the risk of being redundant, I'll just highlight a few of the things I heard and um, it's reassuring to know that that's what these guys are looking for as we advise our players, you know, to go out and play in front of college coaches, um, you know, our program values, you know, first, first thing you see when you walk into our team room is great teams have great teammates. And so that's especially important to uh, a postgraduate situation. You know, we get up in our league, we're allowed two postgrads per team. So if we're going to have two new guys come into what's a pretty strong culture already, you know, and only be with us for nine months. Um, we're going to do everything we can to figure out what kind of teammate they are. And you can watch somebody play and see 
how they, um, you know, respect their teammates and coaches and, and take coaching and things like that. I think all these things have been hit on that, that I had in mind. Toughness, you know, that's, I think these guys would tell you that with all the information out there now, you know, most of the times coaches are coming, they know if you can shoot or not shoot uh, because they know what you shot for the season. And that's a much bigger, you know, sample size than how you shoot it, you know, over game or two. But how do you react when the ball's not going to again relates to the post grad thing? We we want to see again, same idea, you know, making the right plays. Competing is not just there's a difference between playing hard and competing. Everybody's gonna run around full speed, play hard. Uh, competing means that you're trying to make winning plays, make the right play. And uh, both coaches have spoken well to that. And and so again, that's part of you know us being able to trust that somebody can fit in quickly um, and, and acclimate to a group that's already established. Um, and obviously, you know, I think we want guys that, as we talked about earlier, what makes a good postgraduate is somebody who's going to get better, wants to get better. Usually if, if you love playing, if you love to compete, if you're playing with passion and enthusiasm and, and, you know, you can, you can always control that and show that um, that's a pretty good, you know, indicator that you were going to enjoy being in the gym and putting the work that it'll take to get better. So, you know, we certainly love to see, you know, we call it daps, guys giving high fives and, you know, getting each other off the floor and, and diving on the floor for loose. Well, you know, all those little things that show passion for the game usually translate to um, a player who wants to get better and has fun playing the game. And key points everybody mentioned, body language and, you know, what kind of teammate are you, you are and also, you know, making the right play. Um, so moving on from that, and, and just want you guys to touch briefly on this, um, but something I think is really important to touch base on is after the live period's done, you know, what, what should each family in the 2022 class, 23 class, 24 class, because it's going to look different, um, you know, depending on if you're a sophomore, if you're a junior, you know, if you're going into your senior year, what are just one to two proactive steps that they should be doing in their process? Um, what should they expect? In the process, should they be hearing from you know coaches if they are a you know rising sophomore you know from D two D three coaches? What should they be doing to get in front and set themselves up for the future? So I think it's really important to touch base on this. And I'll start with Steve, then go to Landry, and then Seth. Yeah, as as Jeff mentioned, you know each class year is probably going to have a, a little bit different of a priority. If you're a twenty twenty four and a 2023, you should just be getting better. <laughs> that should be your priority. Um, you know, you have so much time. And I, I know that the June 15th, after your sophomore year, Division One phone call, Twitter extravaganza went off, you know, a couple of weeks back. Um, but I would be curious to know the percentage of guys who get called on those days and, and the schools they end up at and how many of them actually heard from the school they they, they ended up at or, or didn't hear from. So I wouldn't lock in on stuff like that. Some of those dates are like, you know, fake holidays that get created, but, but they're not necessarily meaningful. Um, so you can call someone on that day and then never hear from you. Then I never call them again because they end up at a high major or the recruitment goes through the roof. So some of those phone calls are a huge waste of time. Um, so I, I wouldn't put a lot of stock in those. Uh, for you younger guys and, and for 2022s as well, 
again, if, if you know what types of schools you're targeting, you know, I think the elite camp, uh, you know, setup has predominantly been based in, in the Ivy League and some of the academic schools, but that's actually branched out. Like almost every college program now from Stanford to, you know, Colby College is running a, an elite camp. So if, if there's a school that you really think you want to play for and you want to go put it on the line in front of them, that's the best way to play in front of their entire staff. So if, if you're looking for the most optimal way to be seen by a specific school, that is certainly it. Now, you may not you may find out some bad news at that, too. Like, don't ask questions you don't want the answers to. So if you go there and don't maybe perform to their expectation, you may not hear from them. So be ready for the disappointment on that end, too. But, you know, that's the way to target the schools that you want uh, in the summer. And for the 2022s, you guys have a, a little bit less time. And obviously, the extra year has set uh, the high school classes back a little bit. So the 21s and the 22s are are probably feeling that a little bit more so than the 23s and the 24s. So from our questions from earlier, you should be exploring alternative routes, whether that's the prep school option, um, reclassing at your current school or, you know, moving forward to a, a prep school and reclassing there or, or postgraduate year because you're, you're not going to be, maybe didn't get a junior season uh, fully that you, that you wanted to experience or a chance for coaches to see you in, in the flesh last summer. So those are the things I would think about for each class. But for those younger guys, I would really focus on just improvement, um, playing as much as you can, improving as much as you can, spending as much time as you can. The nice thing about uh, the setup now for recruiting is giving us those high school live periods and the AAU live period. So it's allowing us to see players on multiple teams in multiple roles. So take advantage of that by, by really sharpening your skills and, and being able to take advantage of whichever team you're on, when you're on, and, and what period it is. Seth, you want to go ahead? Uh, you, you can go ahead. Okay. Um, I, I would, I'll, I'll be brief. I, I think um, I would just um, echo what Steve said. I thought the exact same thing. 23s and 24s, put your phones down, get off the social media with what everyone else is doing and just get to work. Because if you do the work and you leave the distractions uh, aside, you'll be ready when your opportunity comes. Um, and then, the, you know, 22s, you get to August and either you're getting calls, you're not getting calls. What can you do to be proactive? I would just say, you know, reach out to coaches, uh, send them your academic information, some film, maybe from the summer or some, you know, very recent game film um, and just try to get a little more interest. Uh, but I, I, I think that uh, Steve's point is right for the younger guys. It's really all about putting the work in. You older guys might have to be a little pro more proactive. All good stuff. I, I, I don't have a whole lot to add. I think that's great advice. And again, um, well, we're hopefully, you know, this has been great for me to hear from these guys as, you know, guys I view as experts, you know, this is what we're telling our players. I, I might just add that, you know, vi visit, if you're 22s, visit the schools that are showing interest in you, um, you know, to, to find out as soon as you can, does that feel like a fit? Um, you know, Coach Ongley, you know, rightfully emphasized the value of fit. It's hard to know that without getting there and meeting some people and seeing it for yourself, if that's at all possible, or do it virtually. Um, too often we see students, you know, they've got these schools that are interested, sincerely showing them, um, you know, love and giving them opportunities to be a part of their 
school and program and and take take advantage of that interest, show interest back, um, listen to the feedback you're getting, whether it's from Coach Van Gorder or, or others at your schools. Um, you know, everybody's got your best interest in mind. I, you know, I think you can trust that with your, your coaches, your high school coaches. So if even if that doesn't necessarily uh, mesh with exactly what you had dreamed was going to be the, the deal, I think um, taking that feedback to heart, uh, it's really important to recognize that you know, you may have to go to this level. Um, if, if you've got an opportunity to, to go play, you know, for one of the best division three programs in the country at Swarthmore and, and you say, well, you know, I thought I was going to play at this level. You need to fully investigate that uh, now because uh, Coach Kozmowski, other schools at, at that level are recruiting extremely hard, extremely competitively. Um, those spots are not going to be there um, very long because it's really competitive. There's a lot of you know, really good players who, who want to take advantage of the opportunity to be at a school like that. And so uh, go, you know, fully research that while you have the opportunity to before it's gone. And I think, you know, as you go through that, I would, I would offer the same idea with the postgraduate thing. If you think that's going to be something you want to explore, do it now before we're full. And we've heard that advice tonight already. Um, you know, if your goal in doing a postgraduate year is to get there and, and somebody comes along and offers you that spot, you know, I'll be the first to congratulate you and say, that's great. You're ready to go. You feel prepared for it. Okay. Um, that's great that you got in here, but you don't have to come. No strings attached. And I think the same goes for showing interest to the schools that are talking to you now on the college side. Uh, if somebody else comes in a month from now and offers you a full scholarship, you can always go visit then and, and sign the papers and stuff. But until then, um, really take advantage of demonstrating interest and finding out as much as you can about the schools that are, are showing interest in you. Awesome. Those are all great points. Um, and I think, you know, I'm going to take a question. Uh, someone just sent me in the chat that I think is very good. And on the subject that we're talking about in terms of the social media a little bit as well. Um, they want to know, and, and if each of you guys, you know, Seth, you can talk about it, you know, maybe from what you see with your players, um, you know, and then, you know, Landry, if you can talk about the process and, and Steve, the process at, you know, D3 and the D1 schools. But the question is, how does the, you know, quote unquote offer process work for Ivy League and D3 schools as, you know, a lot of people are seeing offers and, um, you know, being sent out from non-scholarship schools um, and, and kids talking about that. So I'm not sure if any of you guys do that, but I know you touched briefly on, you know, maybe, you know, the, the quote unquote you know, necessarily fake offers, you know, where you see schools offering uh, way more scholarships than what they have. Um, but if you guys can kind of touch base on that, maybe. And Landry, if you can start from the D3 level and, and maybe your recruiting timeline and what you guys do, and then we'll go to Steve and Seth and talk about, you know, what his guys are going through. Sure. Um, it's a good question. I mean, the offers obviously are different if we're not offering a scholarship. And I guess what best way to put it is we're offering a roster spot. Um, so, you know, if our team's 15 guys and we're recruiting, uh, three point guards, we're going to, you know, offer those guys and be really honest with them and say, um, we're offering this spot to three guys. And, you know, the first person that takes it, we, we won't have it anymore. You know, we can't have three point, we wouldn't generally want three point guards in the same class. So, um, we're actually really particular with our offers. So we don't throw a lot around, um, for that reason, because we're specific in who we want. 
And so we kind of wait till we're able to see him, as Steve pointed out earlier, in different environments with different teams and make sure we're getting the right fit. Because I think at the end of the day, that's good for us, but it's also good for the the um, prospect getting in the right fit and not, um, you know, not getting in the bad, a bad situation. Yeah, I can I can talk from my time at Colby uh, up until my time now. Uh, I had three years in the Ivy League, as Coach Van Gorder mentioned, at Dartmouth for two and Columbia for one. You know, for the Ivies and, and D3s and I guess the non-scholarship schools, as Coach Kosmowski mentioned, they're offering you a, a roster spot or potentially a slot for admissions. And most of their work is done ahead of time. So, like, at Columbia or Dartmouth or Colby, I would already know if I would already have a good idea, I couldn't guarantee, but I would already have a very good idea uh, that you were a, can a quality candidate for admissions based on the history of the guys we've had in before you, based on the history of the class classes you're taking and your, what your transcript looks like and your SAT, your ACT score. So a lot of that work is done early uh, ahead of time, very specifically. So that way we know we aren't offering something that can't be achieved. Uh, now, you know, at Howard, um, more, at the, I guess, for the scholarship level, um, you know, those are all, you know, a great question I always advise kids when I was a high school coach or AU coach is if you got offered a scholarship from a school and you told them, well, can I take it right now? And if they don't say yes, then it's not, it's not really an offer, right? It's just, hey, it's become kind of window dressing to, to say, hey, we offered you and I can't tell you how many people called me when I got to a scholarship school after being a non-scholarship school and said, oh, now you can just offer guys. And I said, well, why would I do that? That's not necessarily, that doesn't mean anything unless I, you know, I like that person. I wouldn't want to offer someone something without knowing, without knowing that they, I want them to take it and then two, that they can help us out. So uh, that reciprocal nature doesn't, uh, doesn't disappear in the non-scholarship part either. So in the Ivies, for most of the Ivies, for all the D3s and the non-scholarships, it's the same idea. They're going to do their work early. You should do your work early. And then when it comes time to have that conversation, hopefully both sides agree that this is, this is the place to be, or this is, this is the step that we're at. Uh, pushing for it or waiting for it without talking about it uh, can be a really frustrating process. So I, I would say just do your due diligence and, and allow the school to do theirs. And the schools that are the most open and honest about it um, are probably the ones you really want to deal with anyway. Awesome. And then Seth, if you can just touch upon, you know, what you see with your guys, you've been doing it a long time. Yeah. We, we've seen some uh, curveballs here and there for sure. Um, so to, to coach Ongley's point, we're, we're hoping to continue to deal with programs such as the ones on this um, call tonight who do deal with transparency and honesty. And sometimes that transparency is, you know, um, a no, which is much more helpful than a, uh, maybe or a fake offer or some of that stuff so you know especially with the uh offer process if you will for d3s and the ivies my hope in supporting our student athletes at hill is to make sure that that academic fit has been secured whatever financial aid uh piece is you know everybody's on the same page there so that we're not getting towards the finish line and um finding out that something isn't a fit and then I think just across the board, yeah, my role is to support our, our student athletes uh, the best we can to, uh, you know, know what decode, I guess you would say, and, and it, it shouldn't be that complicated, but unfortunately, 
because of the proliferation of, you know, how, how are some schools offering hundreds of kids uh, a scholarship when there's truly, you know, three to four spots available each year or, or you know, academic support spots. So I, you know, whatever it is uh, that they're offering, um, I think just trying to have transparency there and doing whatever we can. When there's a lack of that, that's when things can really get tough because you can put your eggs in the wrong basket and uh, spend time. You could spend money visiting the wrong place. Um, so, you know, I think that's um, hopefully something that, you know, anybody can get some support and help on. And hopefully the schools that are, you know, again, doing it right and have the student athletes, you know, at the center of, um, you know, how they're rolling um, will lead to a positive experience for everybody. Awesome. That was, uh, that was a great question. And, you know, I think that was a great way to, you know, kind of end the, you know, Q&A here. I think these three have done an awesome job. Um, hopefully this was very informative for everybody that was on this. Uh, I, I think, you know, really great insight from each level. Um, you know, with that, I'll, I'll leave it to you three, you know, for any last words that you guys have for, for any of these guys on here. Um, we, we can start with Landry. Start with Landry. Let him answer first. Well, last thing I would say is just um, I think uh, you guys that are, you know, um, <clears throat> sophomores, juniors, seniors in high school, uh, there's so many distractions in your lives right now. It makes it tough. Um, social media and other. Um, but but we kind of mentioned earlier, I think that if you just like do the work and, you you know, you do it with the right attitude and you don't worry about all that, um, you just kind of want to be the best you you can be. And that can be um, again, everyone's going to be different, but, you know, being the best you can be reaching your potential when an opportunity arises, you'll make the most of it. And you won't be able to, you won't have to look back and say you regretted, you know, getting sidetracked by this and that, but you just kind of put your head down, did it. And the opportunity came and you were, you were ready. Um, that's the best advice I can give to you young guys. Is it me? Sorry, I blanked on the order. Is it me? Is it me? Is it my turn? I didn't give an order this time, so it's my fault. Go ahead, Coach. Um, yeah, to, to kind of piggyback on that, and, and I guess the theme of the night for, from all three of us a little bit has been like, you know, pursue every avenue, like go in, go in, go in every open door. Um, you know, don't close it before seeing what's, what's behind it, I guess I should say, like whatever, however you want to butcher that saying, because um, I'll do it as well. But I think that's the most important piece because you really never know. And, and the example is this, right? Um, Landry Kosmalski and I got to know each other because I was an assistant at Colby and he was on the road for, for Swarthmore after he worked at Davidson for a while and became the head coach. He was just in Orlando with my current boss, Kenny Blakeney, for a basketball event um, and had a chance to, to connect there. So we're all seeing each other. We're all doing these things. We're all talking. We all have relationships. I have a relationship with Seth that dates back to my time at Colby from recruiting guys to, to that level to now, you know, guys at, at my level. So we're all going to speak. We're all going to talk. We're going to see each other on the road. We're going to text one another. We're going to call one another when we see somebody that fits for them or if, if someone that we like that we couldn't take or we think, you know, could use an extra year or whatever, whatever. We're calling a Seth. We're calling Land. I'm calling Landry when I find a good student and, and pushing him in that direction. So just that because of that reality in the basketball world, I think you have to treat every opportunity with a with a serious degree uh, of thought just because you really don't know 
what avenue leads to the next. Uh, and then hopefully, again, we all arrive uh, at the best solution for, for all of us. Great, great advice uh, from those guys. I would just, you know, picking up on that theme, if, if we can ever help at Hill, um, you know, oftentimes our feedback is, hey, I'm not sure this is the right route for you to go. And, uh, you know, maybe you should be looking at this college or that college, or man, you would be a great post-grad, but uh, we're really hypersensitive about not over-recruiting. You get one year in our program, we want you to have the impact that you'd hope to have. We only get two PG, so if we've got, you know, senior guards coming back who have experience and deserve to play, we'll say, here's five other post-grad schools that we think do a good job. And, um, you know, I think that's part of, I certainly view that as part of my responsibility, you know, in, in the bigger web of this whole thing to help student athletes find opportunities to, to reach their full potential. And um, again, I think getting a, a chance to be a part of a program like PSB and, just hats off, Coach Van Gorder. Thanks for having some of our Hill guys as a part of your program. And hats off, uh, Coach Kosmowski, to your brother for getting this whole thing going. It's, it's really great and, and really do appreciate you guys going the extra mile to support families in this process in other ways that you do. That not a lot of our guys' AAU programs do this, so it stands out. Awesome. Thanks, uh, thanks Seth. And Happy to do it. You know, you guys were great. Thanks for taking the time. You know, I know a lot of you guys have families, little ones. Um, so thanks for being on here. Really appreciate it. I think these three gave awesome insight. And uh, good luck to all the families on here um, playing next week. I'm sure I'll see some of you guys on the road. And uh, have a happy 4th of July weekend, everybody. Thanks again. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Youth Hoops Pod featuring our Recruiting Roundtable series. Please subscribe anywhere you get your podcast and check us out on social media at ProSkillsBasketball on Instagram and Facebook and at ProSkillsBball on Twitter. We will have more content coming soon. Have a great one.